Hey guys, before we get started today, I wanted to give you a quick update of the progress here on the podcast. The Tip with Spear Leadership Podcast has evolved and is rapidly growing. So it's impossible without you, the listener, and I can't thank you enough. So after 12,000 downloads, countless messages, and reviews, I've decided to simplify the message of what I'm doing here. So the goal as we have evolved, just as we do in our fire service career and in our life, the Tip of the Spirit Leadership Podcast will now have a more simplistic, street-smart approach to the leadership in today's fire service. You obviously can't know where you're going without knowing where you've been, so we will continue to value the traditions and the history of the fire service. Today's fire service needs modern solutions for the hurdles we face today. So stay tuned as we continue to bring on fire service leaders who've spent time in the streets, running calls, and they bring real-world experiences and solutions. Thank you guys. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. Hey everyone. Now it's time to welcome Captain Bobby Ecker to the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. Bobby is here to share his leadership experience and talk about his company officer command and confidence course. Bobby, thanks for joining us. Please give everybody an introduction to who you are and tell us a little bit about yourself and what's going on. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, you've had a lot of awesome guests, so it's very humbling to be here uh, and be a part of your podcast. Uh, my name is Bob Yeckert. I'm a fire captain in the city of Camden, New Jersey. If you're not familiar with Camden, New Jersey, it sits directly across the Delaware River from Philadelphia. It's a small uh, port city that uh, you know went through a lot of the what urban cities went through in the northeastern part of the United States, you know, through the '60s, '70s, and '80s. I've been there 18 years. I've been a fire captain for just about seven. A little over seven uh, in New Jersey. We don't do lieutenants. Um, we do. We do fire captain. That's how civil service recognize that. Well, some some shops do, but most do captains. I'm 40 years old. Uh, married, four kids, and on the side of the fire department, I own and operate a business called Eckert Fire Tactics LLC, which we train firefighters in firefighting. I don't do any technical rescue. I just do firefighting. Uh, some writ but mostly basic firefighting skills is what we go around and train people in. And we found a lot of success in it just, and it has grown platonically and I found me to your podcast. So here I'm, I'm sure I'm there because of that. And I run an Instagram page and, you know, just putting out firefighting on uh, in a positive way. It's fantastic. Now we brought you on today. You're uh, you're actually, advertising a fundraiser training seminar that's hosted by the Southern Monmouth Fire Museum Association. Um, it's called the Company Officer Command and Confidence. And what really stuck out to me, and we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, was the program dives into leadership attributes and on and off the fire ground with the purpose of building up the company officer's confidence. Come and learn from my mistakes and be a positive fit and to be a positive figure on and off the fire ground. Well, talk to me a little bit about that, kind of where that class started, why you're doing it. Um, it's obviously a fundraiser, so, you know, that's probably for a good reason, I'm sure. And let's dive into that. Let's dive into exactly what it's about, why you're, why you, why you're doing it, and uh, let's talk about the class. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, have a, I have a bunch of lectures. I've been lecturing for about five years. This is my newest one. I've sat on it for a while. I'm a big journaler. I journal a lot of my experience through work and it has helped me miraculously build programs for my business, whether it's hands-on or, or lecture-based. 
So I write a lot of things down. And when I got promoted, I, I started journaling immediately. Just my experience along the way, things that happened. You know, nothing, I don't put any names or anything like that in there. It's just, you know, maybe an instance that I came across and how it, how I felt and how it affected me and maybe how I overcame it or didn't overcome it or completely failed. So I've sat on the program for a while, tweaked it a couple times, you know, had it on a slideshow and have deleted slides, added slides, deleted slides, added slides. But I felt that at my like seven year mark as a company officer it was finally time to release it. I feel that if I would have released it any other time before that, maybe it would have been perceived or I felt that it would have been fraudulent to do because I didn't have enough time in the rank. So I felt like seven years was maybe uh, a, a good time to release it. And again, I've sat on it and I probably started writing it like three years ago through my journaling and, you know, back and forth, back and forth, just trying to put the right information in there. And it's literally all about confidence of sitting in the right front seat of that fire apparatus and all about confidence sitting in the firehouse as a company officer. So I, I do it all over the place. I just did it in Indiana the last Friday uh, before FDIC and I'm helping these gentlemen out with a fundraiser the 23rd, which I'm very excited to do because it's a fire museum and I'm a massive buff. So anything I can do to help a fire museum out, I'm, I'm all about that. So yeah, it's uh, a lot of mistakes, a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of, you know, in my fire department, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, you're a firefighter on a Friday and you're a company officer on a Monday with really, you know, no formal uh, regimented training. Hopefully you paid attention and hopefully your captain that you were working with showed you how to do the paperwork properly and you're in. So I did have that. I, I did have a great captain that I learned a lot from. I, I'm very fortunate to work with a lot of good captains, every company I've been assigned to. Um, you know, they were all different, but they were all good in their own way. So before I was getting ready to get promoted, I, we knew it was coming. I, I went in there and learned all the paperwork and, and things like that. So, you know, it was it was definitely an experience, you know, going for firefighter to, to company officer. So I kind of put it all in that program. How long were you a firefighter before you got promoted? 11 years. Do you, do you think, uh, so I was a firefighter for right around 10 and, uh, it's probably closer to eight, but we have to be paramedics to promote. So I was a firefighter for around eight and a half, eight ish years, got my medic, did about a, just under a year on a medic unit and went right to uh, being a acting lieutenant. And then I did officer candidate school, which was two weeks. It was mostly administrative. And then it went straight to, you know, finished OCS on a Friday, Monday morning. I'm now on day work and I'm this, I'm the officer and that's it. There was no, they had, they touched on a few things, but it was mostly administrative stuff that I was never respond like staffing. Um, you know, the basic, I think the, the target or not the target, like the big buzz stuff. So like, they'll really hammer down like, you know, EEO, you know, diversity, uh, you know, the, that big, the big stuff, like don't sexually harass employees. If, you know, if you have these things like that, that HR kind of stuff, nothing really comes up with, you know, tactics or anything like that, which was kind of unfortunate. And I mean, they, they went over it a little bit, but it wasn't a whole lot. So it's just enough for what I felt like it was just enough to 
understand your legal obligation and then everything else, you'll probably figure it out along the way. Right. And I don't know. I re- I don't know how it was for you, but when I walked in day one, there was people that had more suppression experience than me and they knew it. Right. But I walked in arrogant and I walked in and said, well, I'm the Lieutenant. You're going to listen to me. That was wrong. So <laughs> what, have you had any, ex- tell us about uh, when you first got promoted, you know, you said, uh, you made a lot of mistakes and you did a lot of stuff and let, let's, let's get into some of that. What do you think was, uh, what do you remember of your first day and what was the, you know, what, what was your biggest lesson? Do you think? Uh, well, I come from a family, a fire service family. My, my father was the fire chief uh, in the town I grew up in. And I remember getting promoted. It was such a surreal experience in my life. And at the time I had just went through a very nasty divorce and it was like this big light at the end of the tunnel for me. And I, I can't I can't describe the feeling of it. That being said, when I got promoted and got sworn in, my father grabbed me and when I got he when I got the badge and he said, you know, that badge isn't yours. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They just gave it to me. I thought I grabbed I thought I grabbed somebody else's badge on accident when he said that to me. And I'm like, no, this is my badge. I just grabbed it. And he's like, no, that badge isn't yours. It's theirs. And I'm like, dad, what are you talking about? And he's told me, he's like, you work for the men. They don't work for you. Remember that. And it's, it's true. Uh, My father's gonna be 85 years old tomorrow and he's still living. And to this day, the type of leader he was and the type of person he was people, it, it affected people a lot, people's lives locally. And he gets a lot of respect from it. So I tried to, ball up some of the stuff I've learned from my father walking into the firehouse the first day. I was very fortunate to get promoted out of my city's busiest suppression unit for fires and runs. So I didn't go in with an anxiety of emergency incidents. Like I wasn't like, oh man, I I hope really hope I do well at this fire. I went in as I was 33 years old and went into it as I'm the youngest person in my, in all my crew and I'm the, I'm the captain. So I, I had, I had that anxiety of, of, I was young in age, not experienced. And the, I went to an engine and the engine I went to, sadly, just because it's at fire headquarters, had a revolving door captains. I mean, they had a revolving door. Great guys. They just, you know, that revolving door of, of leadership didn't really have them have a good flow. So I realized immediately as soon as I walked in the door that I needed to to establish a flow in, in, in this company. I was very fortunate to be in a double house and the ladder captain was amazing. He took me right under his wing and showed me some things. But I didn't really have like, oh, I'm the captain type deal. I just had a tough time establishing a flow in the firehouse. And I'll tell you a funny story. My first tour in the firehouse, I got there early, you know, set my gear up and all that stuff. And as guys came in, I was checking my air pack and I took a breath out of my air pack and I put it, you know, turned it off, put it back in the bracket. And I didn't, I didn't listen. I just listened for the beep of the pass alarm. I didn't listen to it fully to go, go off to reset it. And I put it back in, 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 you know, in the bracket and was done with it. And everybody was looking at me. And I'm like, what, what, why, why are you guys looking at me? You know, like, what, what do I, do I have something in my face? And they're like, what did you just do? I said, well, I checked my SCBA. And they're like, no, what did you just do? 
I said, check my SCBA. And they're like, no, what did you just do? And I'm like, I don't know what you're asking me. And they're like, why did you take a breath out of your, out of your SCBA? And I was like, well, why wouldn't I? That's the whole premise of the self-contained breathing apparatus. Tell me breathe. And they're like, why didn't you not care about the, the past device? And I said, to be honest with you, I could give any, I give a crap about the past device. I care more about getting air out of the thing. Past device isn't for me. It's for the people trying to find me. I, I need air out of the, the air pack. And then, Fast forward to today, I walk in the same firehouse. I just crossed the floor of the ladder about two years ago, and everybody takes a breath out of their air pack. It's, it's, it's exciting to see, but I learned that along the way from other captains. So it was more walking into a, to an unknown land on a different group and establishing a flow. But, you know, my driver at the time, he's like, I never even met you. I don't even know who you are. And, we're, you know, we're a small, small job, but big enough where you don't might not see people. So, you know, it was a, it was a lot of a lot of culture shock, culture shock along the way. Yeah, I think that's also the most difficult part, though, too, is I think, I don't want to say establishing uh, establishing yourself is the most difficult part, but I think it really is because, I mean, you kind of said it best yourself was you didn't know who the driver or the driver didn't know who you were, right? I mean, you go to a bigger department, like the department that I work for, there's people, and I've had it several times where I walk in and I don't know anybody. I've never seen them. I've never heard of them. Like we use telestaff to do our staffing. So like I can look ahead of time exactly who I'm working with on overtime or a swap or whatever. I can look ahead and I, I'm, I don't know who any of these people are at all. However, walking in, I know what I'm responsible for and I'm the officer. So I'm going to set the tone, right? So you walk in, you check it out and everybody's kind of sizing each other up, hopefully if everybody's on the same page. And, you know, you tell, you mentioned that, um, that flow, that culture, I think is kind of what you were getting at of creating people that were like-minded that wanted to do the right thing and wanted to be there and wanted to, um, I don't want to say be productive, but we talked a little bit of this, a little bit about this before we started recording was, you know, being an, when you're an officer, if you have really, really good people around you, I mean, is that really going to test you or is it not? So walking into a firehouse where, you know, they don't know who you are, they're watching you. I think that's a good lesson in itself because I think day one you learned and all you're doing is checking your Scott pack, right? Day one, they're already looking at everything you're doing and you have kids and you know, as well as I do, they hear everything, they see everything, they don't forget anything. And your firefighters are like that for good and for bad. So, you know, when you're doing the thing, you're doing everything right. They're going to see that. They're going to hear that. They're going to remember it. Hopefully they're going to follow it. Right. So let's talk a little bit about, um, bring it back up here and pull this up because I'm accidentally closed it. You mentioned building the company officer's confidence. Come learn from my mistakes and be a positive figure on and off the fire ground. Talk to me a little bit about some of those mistakes. You know, I I I've misjudged many situations emergency situations through personnel situations. And, and I think the biggest, the, the biggest thing that I was not prepared for was the personnel issues, the uh, dealing with fire administration, dealing with people above you and people below you. I always, I always equate it when I, when I talk about this class or, or when I'm in the class, and I'm talking about it. I always equate being a company officer to the scene at casino when they have the guys head in a vice Sometimes you feel like your head's in a vice. And, you know, for example, there, there have been times where 
you know, I read a I read a memo or a policy a certain way, and I translated it a certain way where fire administration meant it a totally different way, and I got called on the carpet for it. There are times where, you know, I like you said, you you've been tested. I had a guy. I work at fire headquarters. We have like an an arm gate like the gate arm to get into the parking lot so people don't park there. I mean, I had a guy drive over the back parking lot because he forgot his, his gate key, and I'm getting a phone call saying, like, what, what, what is your guy doing? And I'm like, I have no idea. I'm in my office, you know, doing paperwork, and, you know, I need to discipline him. And I'm like, I, you go to the guy, and you're like, you're like, dude, what, what are you doing? He's like, sorry. Like, it is what it is. Like, not a care in the world. So it's it's funny how the small things that some some chiefs care about maybe you might not have cared about and your guys don't even seem like it's a big issue that you can get pulled on the carpet for and you know from everything from guys driving too fast to guys not being prepared to uh, again I'm at fire headquarters the guys having their shirts untucked to guys not doing their, their their chores or whatever whatever it may be supervising adult humans in a firehouse is one of the hardest things you're ever going to do in your entire life because maybe how you were brought up in the firehouse or maybe what you think should be happening in a firehouse doesn't mean they're going to be the same exact way. And I really wish I took some advice going into it, but I didn't. I should have sat my guys down from day one and told them my expectations and told them, you know, my pet peeves and told them what I, what, what I want out of them. I didn't do that. I was more worried about, you know, getting set up. And I was, I honestly was more worried about getting that, not worried. I was more anxious about getting that first fire under my belt. Like I wanted to go to a fire and see how it would be as an officer to fire. than worrying about establishing uh, a presence with my crew, if that makes sense to you. And I misjudged that situation. I tell a lot of new officers, guys that get promoted, I, well, a great friend of mine who I came on with just got promoted, and I, I told him, I said, you got to tell these guys from day one like what you expect out of them because if you don't, they're going to test you in every single solitary direction, and they might not even know that they're testing you. They might just be in the, be, uh, you know, themselves at that, at that point in time. Yeah, and I think a lot – well, maybe not a lot, but I definitely think they don't – they may not sit around and be like, let's figure out ways to screw with the officer. I don't think that necessarily happens consciously. I mean, I, well, I'm sure a lot of it happens. Yeah, but I'm sure it does, but I agree with you. I mean, they're not like, they don't come to work and like, let's go get him today. I think it's just laziness, complacency, whatever it is, they they don't realize that their action may have a reaction that affects the company officer. Sure. And a lot of it has lasting effects, right? So it's just like a, it's just like shooting a gun. Once that bullet's gone, it's never coming back. Right. So what I'm getting at is whatever the situation is, you have to handle it properly. And the worst part about it is you may not even realize you're in, in the middle of a um, officer test or like you're being tested as an officer until weeks later and it didn't work out in your favor. And you know, as you're, as you're going through all these things, I'm smiling because I'm sitting there thinking to myself, damn, I know that shit happened to me. I didn't even realize it was a lesson until it was already over. And they're not right. Like, I mean, there are people that intentionally go out there and 
act a certain way. I had somebody that would refuse to call me lieutenant. Not that I was running around making them do it, but it was just simple as they would call they would call me by my last name all the time in front of other people and ever, like inside the firehouse, I don't care. Right. But if we're out in the public or something like that, don't call me dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like there has to be that mutual respect. And, you know, if you're habitually calling somebody by their last name, that's one thing. But then when you add the sentence of, well, he may be a Lieutenant, but he's not my Lieutenant until I say he is. I mean, that's childish, right? But there's people out there like that. I've had people that um, would intentionally pretend like they didn't know where they were going when they were driving. Um, be like, well, you're, you're, you're the officer. You have to look up in the map book and tell me. It's like, well, you're driving. You should know where you're going because if you don't know where you're going, or at least get in the ballpark, you should not be a driver at all. And you should sure. get out of that seat. Like, you know what I mean? And, you know, there's other things where very, very small, minor situations, whatever the situation is, confrontation with an employee, a disagreement, um, you know, it's not always a huge deal, but those small situations add up because everybody sees it, you know, and I think the fires will come and I think you will always get your chance to prove yourself for the good or the bad. But I think, like you said, if you don't establish your expectations, hold people accountable, and then hold that standard by personifying it for yourself, if you don't do those things, that's where you're going to create those problems and the inconsistencies where the problems are going to be as well. Um, and I think a good analogy that I heard for being an officer is kind of like, you know, when you were, you know, young and you didn't have kids, you went to the beach by yourself, you bring your cooler and whatever. Well, now when you go to the beach, you're not just worried about yourself. You're worried about your kids, what they're doing. They're not drowning in the water. Everybody's got sunscreen on. Everybody's got something to eat. Like it's not about you anymore. And you have to stop thinking about yourself. And I hate that cliche thing that you see on social media. It's not about you. Well, no shit. Right. But you have to actually take the time to sit down and think about those other people because everything has a ripple effect, I think is what I meant to be. I apologize I'm, for being long-winded with it, but you know, everything has that ripple everything effect. You do. Everything you do. Yes. And establishing, I think the hardest part of being a professional fire company officer, I think the hardest part is having to be the same person every day, having to be consistent every single solitary day because that's what the people deserve. You know, they deserve that, that, that from you. And, you know, I'll go out and teach or get in conversations or jump on a podcast. And I always just think to myself, I really wish I would take my own advice in my personal life that I do in my, in my, you know, in my public safety life. But yeah, it's so hard. It's, it's a thankless job. Yeah. Whatever perk you get, keep it to yourself, whether it's monetary or, you know, you get a recliner in your office or whatever it is, but you really got to be there for your people through, through good and bad. And even if you don't like, say you like a guy and you don't like a guy, you got to treat them both the same way. That's also very hard to do. And, you know, we've been through, I, I've been through a lot of things in my career as a company officer from emergencies to, you know, uh, we went through COVID together, you know, that, that was a whole thing. I'm sure it was a thing for you. It was a thing for us oh, where, you know, you, you, I sadly don't agree with a policy, but I got to enforce a policy. So that was a thing. Anybody who was a fire officer through COVID, 
with the mask thing, God bless you. My hat's off to you because it was one of the toughest things you're ever going to do in a firehouse or, you know, if you're in a firehouse with chiefs or you're out on the street and runs and you, you know, you, you're, you're trying to be, uh, follow the rules or be a certain way that, that was, that was a true, that was a true leadership test for everybody. I, I, I use it as an example all the time, even though I think masks were the dumbest thing in the world. That being said, there was an order state and I had to wear one. And I work in a paramilitary organization that says you got to wear a mask and your people got to wear a mask and my guys don't want to wear a mask. So what do you do? Do you follow the policy to a T or do you get your guys together and say, this is what we're going to do? You know, yeah. it, 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 it's one of them things. So, you know, the fire service is, is, is a thankless job where, you, you know, you, you might at times don't feel the gratitude, uh, especially if you're not doing a working fire, if you're doing you know, the only time you really get that gratitude is, is when, and when there's a working fire, because selfishly you love being there and, and it's great. And, but you know, like the other night we, we were so busy all night long. I got home. I was like, man, last night sucked. It absolutely sucked. But you know, that's the job and you always got to be doing the right thing. You always got to be the first one to the rig. You always got to be setting the example with your gear. Always got to be setting the example with your, uh, your uniform and whatever you're the face and people need to follow it. And I think that was my biggest adjustment, you know, coming in. If you would have saw me as a firefighter and walk into the firehouse, you'd be like, is this guy on duty or off duty? I don't know because he's got, you know, flip-flops, shorts, and a tank top on. And then I get get promoted and now I got to wear my uniform and I got to do the right thing. But, you know, people just saw me two weeks ago dressed like a slob. So who's going to take me serious? And then... Again, I went through a nasty divorce while on the job. Do you think I was the best employee there was? I was absolutely not the best employee you know there was. And guys don't forget that. Guys don't forget who you were, and then you get promoted, and they're like, well, you know, screw this guy. Last week he was just doing this. Or I just saw him drunk the other night at the bar. Or, you know, he's he's got a love triangle going with this person or whatever. They're always looking for a reason not to respect you. Right. They're always looking for that. And you can't give it to them. You can't give it to them. I, I hardly talk about, like, I just went to FDIC. Great time. A lot of work. It was awesome. I, I would venture to say maybe four people that I work with know that I went to FDIC. I don't talk about it at work. I, I, it's, not, it, it's a total separation for me. I don't talk about what I do on the side. I don't shove it down anybody's throat. If people want to talk about it, I'll talk about it. It's not like I hide it. It's just, you know, I'm there. I'm working for the Canada Fire Department today, and let's talk Canada Fire Department things. Let's train Canada Fire Department ways. Let's do this, that, and the other. Sure. And, you know, you brought up a few a few good, really, really good points. And you said, you know, you became an officer a few weeks before you were walking in flip-flops and tank top, or you're out getting blasted or whatever, or the example is out getting blasted. Now you walk in, you're in charge, and people are going to remember everything you do. Um, I think your interview to be an officer starts from recruit school and from when you start in the, or the academy. When you're in the academy to the day when you walk in as a lieutenant, people see and hear absolutely everything you do and they don't forget anything, right? So you have to use that time wisely. And one thing that I've learned consistently through this podcast, I haven't really met very many officers at all that we talked about that, that were like, oh yeah, I was straight laced. No, everybody learns things right? Everybody makes dumb mistakes. People do things, you know, they get in that, uh, 
that group is a fireman and, and they're doing fireman stuff and they're having fun, chucking, jiving, whatever. Um, but you know, those things, ultimately people remember everything and it, it's not that it's necessarily a bad thing, but it's just a challenge you have to overcome. And I don't want to say it's paying your dues as an officer, but it's going to be one of the things that you're going to have to do. And it's the most difficult thing that there is. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about was you kind of, um, you know, you brought up the, the thankless part of it. Um, what I've learned, I've been a Lieutenant now for, it'll be eight years next month. You can tell, they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to say it to you. They're not going to tell you how great of an officer you are, but you can tell when they respect you. You either have it or you don't. It's palpable, right? You Do you know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? I absolutely do. I, I understand because I, I remember when it, what it was like when people were still trying to figure me out. Say it again. I remember what it was like when people were still trying to figure me out. And then, yeah, you know, or today where, you know, I feel like hopefully I've gained the respect of my peers and, you know, to the point where, I mean, I know at a fire people will, will, will listen to me or, you know, go with my, my intuition or my gut instinct. I, I know that, but that wasn't, that wasn't always the case. You sure. know, it, 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 it comes with experience. I think it's one of the hardest things too, as an officer, as a fire officer, you're only going to get good at it. If you get the experience, that's it. You could take as many, you could take the best leadership classes in the world, the best building instruction classes in the world, the best fire behavior classes in the world. You could train once a week, you know, on forcible entry, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It, do, it all comes down to experience. That's it's what it comes down to. Yeah. And they also want that dependability, right? They want the presence. They want you to physically be there as much as possible, right? You have to physically, you can't lead anyone if you're not at work, right? Um, and I think a lot of it is, and I, I mean, maybe you've experienced this, maybe you have it, I don't know, but have you ever had an officer where they're really, really good on the fire ground and then the really important stuff at, in the firehouse, they suck at, and it's just terrible and it creates more headaches or vice sure. versa, vice versa. They're really good. Like, yeah, they take care of the guys. They're administratively great. And they go to a fire ground and then they're absolutely terrible or they can't make a decision or they're spazoid or whatever. I think over time, when you have that, that balance of, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, they don't want you to be indecisive or they don't want you to um, be unsure of yourself when it's time to make a decision on a fire, right? They want, they, whether they say it or not, or whether they're subconsciously there or not, or subconsciously realized or not, they want to be able to have, when they have any type of doubt or insecurity, because I mean, going to fires, I mean, it, it, people could either lie or they could tell you the truth. It, you know, some of it makes you nervous. I mean, there's times where you're kind of nervous. You're like, oh, shit, uh, what's going on here? They want to be able to look at you and you've, you have that, that, that confident look. More often than not, you're ready to go, all that, and you make your decisions. They don't want you to sit there and go, well, I'm not really – no, they don't want that. They want you when it's time to be the officer, be the officer. And if you be the officer, you make your decision, you kind of screw up, you make the incorrect decision – or you're not, you know, whatever, and you learn over time and over time progressively, they see you getting better, but you're still consistently decisive, confident, competent. That's what they need. That's when they're going to start following you. And that's when you're going to be able to tell, I think, when you have, uh, you know, you have your guys behind you. You know, I think it's a lot of in, out, in the firehouse and out of the firehouse. And to, I don't want to talk in circles, but again, 
I mean, there's guys out there, they'll tell you, they're like, yeah, I mean, you need to be good on the fire ground, but if we get walked all over because you're too much of a wuss to say anything to the battalion chief or stand up to the captain or stand up to another officer or another company or a firefighter on your shift because you're afraid of them, I mean, where does that leave you, right? And I think, and we talked a little bit about this as well um, before before we started recording was, you know, the challenge with all of that isn't when everyone's on the same page. The challenge isn't when you have a group of guys that are sharp, want to go to fires, want to do their job. It's the challenge is when you walk in, you don't know anyone, or they have guys that kind of, people are there that kind of suck. And now you have to step up and get them to change or teach them. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I get it. And I, you know, I think one of the biggest mistakes where I've fallen flat on my face many times was I, I have no problem speaking my mind ever, anywhere, any time in my entire life. Since I've been a child, I've always spoke what people were thinking. It's good and bad. It's, you know, the bad part is it, there's stuff that comes with it. I can say as a company officer, the best advice I can give to anybody whether it's dealing with subordinates or dealing with people higher up or dealing with the situation is to pick and choose your battles wisely because, you know, you could go down a rabbit hole and, or say something that maybe you could have said better at a different moment where maybe you're emotional or you feel something. I remember being in a, in a post-incident critique and we were asked to speak candidly and I spoke candidly in hindsight, I should have just kept my mouth shut and and maybe maybe waited waited it a tour or two and handled the situation differently. But I spoke candidly, and that stuck with me. Like that, what I said, who I said it to, then was pissed off at me and held that pissed off at me until the day they retired. So, you know, you you, you really got to be careful of what you're doing. And I think yeah, always ask yourself if you're trying to affect change or get an answer or whatever it is, you know, what's going to come out of what, what, what I say, what's going to come out of my mouth, what is going to come out of the situation of me saying it is it going to be good, bad, or indifferent. And if it's going to be bad, then maybe you'd pick a different realm or a different tactic or a different uh, time to, uh, you know, go at it. I got yelled at once uh, for, I went to a, a residential high rise. It, it, it's, it's a very uh, terrible building we go to and it's, you know, it's crime ridden. It's just a bad building. And we go there very often. And I walk, I walked in the maintenance guy didn't have the keys. He didn't have like the elevator keys and, and all the keys of the building waiting for us. And I yelled at him. I, I laid into this guy. I, I was so mad at this guy for not having the keys. Cause it was like the fifth time we were there that day and it was a shift change. And why didn't he have the keys? And this dude, when the battalion chief got there, like, complained about me like he, he had a complaint i'm thinking like i'm so cool with my battalion chief that this dude's complaint isn't going anywhere dude my chief was so mad at me he's like what are you doing treating people that way and i got back to the firehouse and i'm thinking to myself like he's a maintenance guy in a very depressed building like i doubt the last thing he's thinking about is getting the keys to me like what was i doing like what, what was the what was the point of my outbursts and what was I looking to gain from it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And in, in, in hindsight, it got me yelled at by my battalion chief. I've been yelled at before. It's no big deal. But, you know, it affected his uh, thoughts about me. Like, he, you know, he, he, he now had a negative implication he could use against me. Where I, and I gave that to him. I gave that to him where 
if I handled the situation differently, I would never have given that to him. Yeah. And you know, the other thing, I mean, this is kind of something I've picked up on is, you know, yeah, you yelled at that guy, right? You kind of gave him a bunch of shit and, and all that. But guess who's sitting there looking at you when you did it? My guys, a hundred percent. I was, I looked like a baby. I looked like an absolute baby and I regret it. I re- I'll tell you what I made him. We had leftovers. I made him a sandwich and drove it back to the building. That's how bad I felt. That's how bad I felt. I, yeah, I did. You know, things are going to happen, right? But if you're that guy that continuously flips out and flips switch and you act like a psych, not, I'm not saying you, Bobby, I'm just saying in general, I mean, over time, your guys are going to see that and that has a last, lasting effect, right? And you start treating people like you're, like that in your community like crap, it's only a matter of time before it, it well, one, it's going to be counterproductive because you're going to start creating headaches for yourself. Two, your chiefs and your supervisors and the other people in the area, they're going to see that. And one of the biggest lessons that I learned, because somebody brought this up to me one day, a guy on my shift brought it up to me was, you know... We were talking, I forget what we were talking about, and we got into something. I forget what the conversation was about. But anyway, he brought up, and it somehow came up back to me, but he brought up that we have problems as a shift on calls and other things because of my personal interaction with said people, right? Sure. So it's not like, you know, I did anything recently, or it's not like, you know, we did anything wrong on the call. We could have, you know, been in the perfect position, did exactly what we needed to do, but we're going to get probably get the shitty end of the stick because of my, me, my specific interaction with that person is not going to affect all of us to where they'll be like, Oh, well, he's the officer at that station on that unit. All right. Well, some units got to do firewatch or something crappy. Yeah. Just make him do it. It's going to happen. Or sure. You get into that weird spot, that gray area and now they're looking at the officer and you are that guy and they're going to ask you things that they may not have asked somebody else or someone without a reputation because your reputation precedes you and things you do now as a firefighter, if you're, you know, anyone out there is a fireman in that you're, you know, aspiring to promote things you're doing now will affect you later, whether it's today, tomorrow, next year, five years, it doesn't matter. And, you know, especially when it comes to the community stuff, you know, those are your times to really show and personify how you should be as an officer. What do you think about that? I, I agree with you. And I, I think, I think carrying yourself with humility at all times is, is the way to go. And humility is a very, very tough thing to carry yourself with because you're forced to self reflect on your actions and your behaviors all the time. And it's very hard to do. It's a very, very hard thing to do, but if you go through this thing of being a company officer and you actually find your groove where, you know, you can be consistent and find a nice balance within the shift where you're able to to deal with, you know, not only the people above you, but the people below you in a way of, of respect and courtesy and, you know, handle emergencies and do all the things that you need to do. It is a very, very, very gratifying thing being a company officer when, when you find that balance. But there's a lot of people that, you know, I get a lot of Instagram direct messages. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. How come this isn't working out for me? How come that's not working out for me? And I always tell people like, well, you got to look at yourself. You got to look at yourself and see what you're doing wrong. Because, you know, failure is something you have to expect in this job because everybody fails. Everybody, you know, if, there's always, 
my father always says you're only as good as your last working fire, and that's a fact. Like, you know, if your last working fire was terrible and didn't go well for you, then, you know, you need to drop back to the drawing board and figure out what you need to work on, what you need to, to do. I, You know, the last fire I was at, I didn't bring my thermal imaging camera. I forgot, and I totally forgot it because I was uh, messing around with my flashlight. My flashlight was, like, caught on something, and I forgot the camera, and we got to where we needed to be, and I needed the camera. I didn't have it with me. So, you know, it's something where I need to be like, yo, dude, slow down, make sure you got all your shit. But, you know, here I am seven years into this and I'm forgetting a thermal imaging camera. My point being is we all make mistakes. Everybody does. You're a human being. It's how you recognize them, recover from them. And, you know, the, the weight that comes with the position, don't let it weigh you down so much. Don't be afraid to push back on the weight a little bit and find your find your own style and find your own groove. You know, what works for... Captain A is not going to work for Captain B or, or C. They're all different. And I sure. see that because I work in a double house. And I, I've worked with um, overtime captains, whoever. Whoever's there is not me because they're not me. They're, they're just a different yeah. person. So they have different expectations. They have different idiosyncrasies. They have, uh, you know, that stuff. I the, the, the true test is is when you're given a brand new firefighter. That's the truest test, the truest form of leadership test you're ever going to have because you have to take somebody that is brand new out of the Academy and you got to then mold them to a firefighter and they have, they have zero experience and you could be thrust into a very serious situation very quickly the day they walk in the firehouse. So, you know, there's, there's that aspect to it as well. And, you know, people don't, people don't think about that. And it's something I talk about in my program where, you know, you got to remember the product you're getting out of fire school and, you know, don't be so hard on them, show them the right way, break their training down, build it back up, stuff like that. Well, you also got to care about them, right? Absolutely. I mean, you got to, I'm trying to think how to say this. There's nothing wrong with having a bit of a nurturing atmosphere to a point, right? So, I mean, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but like compassion goes a long way with people. It really does. Like, I've had a few times where I've had people that are firefighters that have a ton of experience. A few of them have a lot more than me. And they come to me and they're like, hey, uh, I kind of screwed this up. And if you take a second and you look at the long, the big picture, the long game, right? It, what is it really doing? All right. Well, you came to me. You knew it was wrong. Could I, in theory, probably be a complete dick and crush you? Yeah, but where does that get me? It gets me nowhere. You know, I mean, there's been a few times where it's kind of like, at least for me, it's kind of like, you know, yo, dude, you know what I'm going to say, right? Like, you can't fucking do that. Stop it or fix it or whatever. And you just let it go. Because if you run around and you berate people, they're not going to learn anything and they're going to shut down. Right? So there has to come a point. And just think, and I'm sure you've been here, been there. I've been there in this situation as an officer, as a firefighter, when I was a medic, as a medic doing medic stuff, because we have to do it. But there's been a few times where I screw up. And the person that I'm accountable to, whether it's the officer or not, and I'm like, man, I don't want to tell this freaking dude what I just did. You know, hey, LT, captain, chief, whatever. Hey, I screwed up. This is what happened. You know, whatever. And I'm just, I'm waiting for that proverbial hammer to get freaking crush me. And I was like, all right, look, you know what you fucked up on? Yeah. All right. Look, man, you can't do that shit again. Or, hey, my hands are tied. I have to do X, Y, or Z, but we'll take care of it. It's no big deal. Let's figure out what you need to do correctly next time. And then just think about how that made you feel, right? It, you, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, we're all humans. Sure, and but it, there, there's a job to do, right? 
There's yeah. always a job to do it. And, and it's how we do it and how you carry yourself is like, like what you're saying is you know, not, not, not everybody's going to perform the task perfectly. Right. It's not going to happen. Or maybe it's your expectations or how you would do it. So it's, it's finding that middle ground where, where you're able to like use your reputation or use your skills or use your experience to maybe get the person through the situation you know, I always say don't assign somebody a task that you've never completed yourself because if you didn't complete it yourself, then it means you didn't train them on the task. So when they're sent off to do the task, then they don't have confidence in it. And how can you supervise something that you've never done yourself? Sure. It's and, you know, I'm a very I'm a very outspoken person. And <clears throat> what I guess more so what I was getting at, too, was, you know, I mean, think about it. Yeah, you may fall short or whatever, but think about it when you go there and you knock it out of the park finally. Right. So when I, I had a rookie one time. And this person was I'm trying to think how to explain it. They wanted to be there, but they never were really tested. And sure. then they had a few calls and then probably the worst fire of my entire experience in the fire service happened. And everything and anything that you could fail from point A to point Z on a fire as the first arriving engine happened. Right. For years, I was embarrassed by this call. It took me six years to probably realize it was a good learning lesson, unfortunately. So this, this person was with me and, you know, we had these issues and they struggled a lot afterwards, a little bit before, and then they moved on to another firehouse and I watched them flourish and do well. Right. I saw, I watched them do really good on some calls and I walked up and I'm like, damn dude, like this is great. You're doing great. Like, I'm very proud of you. Great job you know, whatever. I'm like, Oh, wow. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. Thanks. You know? And I was like, well, you know, you stepped up, you did your job and you, you did very well. And I wanted you to know that. And like, just think of how that would make somebody feel right. You're not just going to willingly give out, um, compliments, but when it clicks of, you know, I didn't do this that well, I worked on it. And now this person that, you know, is holding me accountable or not, I don't want to say judging me, but, you know, this person that I'm accountable to now sees me doing really well. They're going to know the hard work they did to try and get better. Right. And that's going to perform. That's going to, you know, keep them moving up into the correct direction of how to do things. And maybe the example probably wasn't the best, I guess, unfortunately. But you understand. what uh, I, mean. I do. And, you know, one of the I think if you're looking to get satisfaction out of the job, you get satisfaction out of the performance of your people. So, sure. you know, one of the best one of the best things that people can say to you is when you're off you took a vacation day or whatever and there's a fire and somebody's working your spot and your guys did a good job and they call you like your guys did a great job. Like there's, there's some satisfaction in it, but you know, it, it's, they're all, there always has to be a job to do. There always needs to get done no matter what. I remember being on a roof uh, when I was getting, when I was getting ready to get laid off and I was up there with a, um, a battalion chief, a captain and me, the battalion chief was getting demoted to captain. The captain was getting demoted to firefighter, and I was getting demoted to layoff. I was getting I was getting laid off, and it was a it was a, it was a pretty nasty incident, and it was very close to our last day, like the D Day time. And I just remember how everybody, no matter what, even though everything that was looming outside of the incident we were on, still did the right thing. They still did the right thing. They still did their jobs. They still worked. Where you know. Uh, I don't know if everybody would have acted that way in that situation. And I think it's, it's no matter what, with being a company officer, you know, the, the hardest thing you're going to do is the right thing. 
but you always got to do your job no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. Good, bad, indifferent. Good day, bad day. Uh, whatever's coming down the pike at you, you know, maybe it's your last tour and you're getting transferred. Maybe you, you hate the guys you're working with. Whatever it is, you still got to put them first and you still got to do the job. Still have to do the job. It, well, it's about principle at that point too, right? You, you can't let others others affect the way you work. And, nope. you know, this one person I work with, he says all the time, I'm a professional firefighter, so put me wherever you want. I don't give a shit because I'm going to do my job the way it needs to be done, the right way the first time. And that's ultimately what it is, you know. And, and you talked about being off, uh, missing a fire, and somebody calls you and talks about how great your guys did. And it still doesn't stop the sting of missing a fire while you're off because I think that's what <laughs> it does like. Like we talked about, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, how they're talking about all these fires when you're, you know, you were off, uh, you know, for spring break, and uh, you know, I, I empathized with that because I despise missing things. I have a really bad FOMO thing, but what I'm getting at is, you know, <clears throat> that is a good thing, right? You do want to hear those kind of things, and um, I think the other, I guess, way to. Th- the other example that I that I was going to use was, you know, you ever had somebody where you have to get ready to do something really dumb or crappy and the chief pulls you up and goes, hey, look, man, I need this done right. It sucks, but can you get this done? I need it done right. Can you get it done, please? And that's also kind of where, you know, you've kind of made it to that to that level, at least in the eyes of your chief or your supervisor. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it's anything. It can be anything from even like a a mundane training session that you got to take for like uh, sexual harassment or bloodborne pathogens or, you know, whatever it is where you don't want to be there, where it's at, it's at 1130 when lunch is in a half hour, dude. And I didn't even go food shopping yet, but you know, Hey, go do this for me. And you know, I'd appreciate it. And you see that in leadership, You, you see, you see leaders take care of each other. You know, we go to the bar once a month, uh, there's four platoons in the fire department. There's two and four work together. One and three work together. One and three go to the bar once a month for lunch. And there's a, there's a few chief officers that come out and they always take care of the guys. They always do. They always take care of them. Uh, we don't get crazy. It's, it's, it's yeah. more of a lunchtime thing, but uh, sure. they, they always find a way to take care, take care of the men. And I always, I always pick that up what they're doing and try to try to reciprocate it in my own way, whatever I can do to take care take care of my guys and you know the the number one thing of taking care of my guys is uh you know i I always think of what i did what i liked and didn't like as a firefighter you know i hated not eating lunch or eating lunch at two o'clock and there's gonna be days where runs cause that but if runs aren't causing that i'm gonna do whatever in my power to make sure my guys eat lunch at the proper time or make sure they eat dinner at the proper time or you know it's amazing what fed firefighters will do for you but as yeah. dumb as that sounds, it's important to them. Their their firehouse life is important to them. And if you respect that, respect their life, whatever it is, you know, guys will guys will run through a wall for you if you take care of them. They really will. It, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, like you said, even in the shitty situations where maybe you got to go plant a tree for a community service detail or whatever it is. You know, if you have taken care of your men up to that point and you go to them and say, yo, we got to do this, they should have no problem saying like, all right, let's go. Sure. And, you know, that's the biggest thing, too, is people will do anything if they know that you truly care. And, you you know, you brought it up about being well fed. And another thing that I kind of noticed, at least in my experience, it goes a really, really long way is, you know, the compassion side. So, you know, 
I know Bill is tired. Bill worked last night. So Bill's going to, hey, can I go nod off? No questions asked. Do what you need. I don't care. Go to bed. Because you're not, you're doing a few things. One, they need to rest, right? Two, they know that you give a shit because you're allowing them when you, in theory, don't have to. But the other thing is, and I don't know, maybe I'm misreading it, but they're coming to ask rather than sure. just going doing it. So clearly, clearly, there's something there, in my opinion. So you need to provide that with that opportunity. Like, hey, man, go rest. You need to go eat, go eat. Hey, we need to go X, Y, and Z. Hey, Lieutenant, you know, we haven't had any chance to eat yet. All right, go eat. No big deal. You know what I mean? It's those very, very minor things, very, very minor things that build up over time. And, you know, you got to pay your dues, I think, as the officer and put into that um, piggy bank of examples of caring or compassion or I guess your leadership bank, really. You got to pay into that every day, take out of it very, very little. But the biggest thing is, Every single day, you have to pay your due on that somehow. It's going to happen throughout the day. You know? And 100%. You said it before, like, you know, your your path to, to being a fire officer starts in the academy, right? Like, day one. Sure. Like, whether whether you, you consciously know you're going to be a fire officer or not, which many people don't know. Maybe, maybe they're aspiring to it. But, like, you're saying, like, paying due is, like, you know, one of the things I think I feel I'm very strongly opinionated about this topic is is that – you should have paid your dues as a firefighter before you even thought about sitting in that right front seat. Because when you're in that right front seat and we go out the door and it's on fire and it's a very serious situation, every single solitary person is looking at you for tempo, momentum, answers, whatever it is. And I really, really hope that you took the time to gain the experience to be in that seat to make the right decision, to set the right tempo, and to go in the right direction. Because I've seen a lot of people be in that seat and not have that comfort. You know, maybe they didn't pay their dues properly as a firefighter, in my opinion. And, you know, I, I don't have such a high bar, but uh, that, that I'm like, you know, you had to do this, this, and that. Just hopefully when you were coming up, you, you know, did the right thing at the right time to be in that position, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, it definitely does. And the, my favorite part about what you're getting at is kind of something else I want to talk about too. Everything you just said, I believe may have been in your mind, you know, growing up because of your background, but you, I don't, did you ever consciously think about any of that? Because a lot of, you know, just listening, listening to what you're saying is you learn a lot of this after you became an officer and you're kind of looking back on a lot and creating, you know, as your announcement said, um, le you learn a lot of your lessons. And, you know, I think you're the prime example of leadership is something that is an evolution, is sure. something that being a competent officer, um, le leadership wise, is something I believe you can be taught. I think not everyone is ready to be an officer when they become an officer, but it's a matter of who sets themselves apart by preparing and trying. So I guess the point that I'm making is leadership is obviously leadership's a journey. It's not a destination. You're never going to get there. I mean, if you think if you get to a certain point and you think, all right, I'm good, you should probably just stop. Leadership, I agree with that. You learn, you learn every day and it evolves. So what I'm getting at is leadership is something that can that you can learn if you want to. And it's just like anything else in the world. You only get out of it what you put into it. So, you know, Bobby Ecker that walks in, as you said before, flip flops in the tank top. 
and then on Friday and then Monday, you're the officer. I mean, you had quite the uphill, um, you had a lot of work to do, right? I and did. I think, I think why I love your example so much is it's a lot like me. I had a lot of problems when I first became an officer because of the things I did as a firefighter. I got myself in trouble um, a few years before I got promoted and I'm not going to get into what happened, but just like anything else, everyone knows who you are beforehand. And I think you and I are on the same page of, I never really thought about being an officer until I decided, Hey, I want to get promoted. I want to try and try and do this. Right. And then standing in there, you know, standing at the foot of a mountain of problems that you've created for yourself and you know there's no one to blame but you is very humbling. And you know you're gonna it's gonna be an uphill battle and you're like, oh shit, here we go. And then you, you know, it's off to the races. But I think for those people out there um that are listening, this is something you can do, but you have to put the effort into it. It has to be an everyday thing. And I think you can learn how to be a leader. I think I don't think there's born leaders. I think that anyone i think there's people that are going to be more that are going to be better at being leaders because of the work they put in um and i think it's all about effort what do you think about all that i agree you know i think some of the better leaders are the ones that have had better experience coming into the rank you know have put themselves in in really good positions as a firefighter and uh you know kind of worked all around you know pe- people that have worked in an engine their entire career only to be promoted and put in a ladder company, you know, they're going to have an uphill battle. They're, they're going to, it's going to be tough for them where, you know, as a firefighter, if you try to, you know, learn every facet of firefighting, you know, you're not going to master it, but you, you know, get as close to it as, as comfortable as possible with every facet of it. You're going to be that better officer. Um, Natural born leaders, you know, I've seen people take things very naturally, but I, again, I, I believe because they had the experience to take it on naturally. I would never consider myself a natural born leader because it's something leadership, something I struggle with all the time because you're, you're always looking to have to do the right thing. And as you grow and as you move and as you stay in the position, there's only more opportunity for you to do the right thing and, you know, be that better person. I always try to be the best version of myself when I'm in that position. And again, I wish I took this advice in my personal life. I don't. But when you're there, just do the right thing, no matter what. No matter what. And it's hard. It, it can be hard. It can be mundane. But if if you're willing to grow and you're willing to self-reflect and willing to learn and learn through your mistakes, you're gonna be a, you're you're gonna be a competent leader. You really are, and you're gonna get confidence. You're gonna gain confidence in everything you do. And I think the best way to gain confidence is by making mistakes you know, and then learning from your mistakes. I'm not saying make a grave mistake on purpose, but I'm saying, you know, if you fall flat on your face, get up, get up, get moving. Because everybody's done it before. Everybody above you has done it before. Everybody in the generations previously has done it before. Who's seen him? Who, who who has seen um, a misjudgment tactics in a house burn to the ground? Everybody, everybody. And my father's always said, you got to burn one to the ground figuratively and, and literally. And he's right. You, you, you got to fuck up every once in a while. Sorry, my language, but sure. in the beginning to learn and to grow, but also know, know your fire department, know your fire department, know the rules and regulations, know the people, know the chiefs, know the subordinates, 
Know what's going on. Keep your finger on the pulse and worry about you and your company. Don't worry about what what what, what ladder five's doing when you're ladder four. That, 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 that's ladder five's problem. Worry about ladder four's problem. Because ladder four's problem is your company under your command. I see a lot of people worry about what everybody else is doing. Don't don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Worry about what you're doing. And you know, worry about what your company's doing. Worry about what your company's training is doing. You know, engine engine 12 is always going to shit the bed. There's nothing we can do about it. There's absolutely nothing we can do about it. But we can make adjustments to be ready for engine 12 when they come down the street, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think I hate to say it like this, but there's there's one in every crowd, right? You and you said exactly yourself. You know who the players are. You can look in your staffing or know who's working or whatever. However you do it, um, you can look around the battalion and know who's working and know who the players are for the day. And I mean, I'm sure there's been plenty of times where you looked at tell us you looked at your staffing and you were either confident in what's going to happen or you weren't. And you know, it's funny to laugh and joke about sometimes. I think when you're kind of like shooting the shit with the guys. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you said it yourself. I, don't, I mean, I do care what they do because the things that other companies do can dramatically affect my guys and myself. But I can't control them. I can control can't. myself. Can't control. For one, I can start with me. After I control me, I control can, can yeah. I can control my guys, and then we can work together. You know what I mean? I don't. It, it, you said it yourself very well. I don't give a shit about other people. It's me and the six people I supervise, right? That's, That's it. it. Because that I know I can control that. Anything well, else, I'm it's out of my hands. It, 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 you're, I'm not getting paid to supervise the other people. Right. I'm not getting paid to supervise them. I'm getting paid to supervise these people. This is where right. my assignment's at. That's what I'm doing. You know, you go down that rabbit hole trying to worry about what other people are doing or trying to control another officer. Sure. You're 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 gonna you're gonna totally miss doing your job. You're not going to do the job, you know, you're a science task. And then it just snowballs from there. Snowballs. Sure. And, you, and you're going to spread yourself so thin that you're not going to be able to do much of anything correctly. You're going right? to lose your mind. What's that? You're mentally going to lose your mind. You're, you are, yeah. you're legitimately going to have a mental breakdown in some way, shape, or form because of where you're putting your effort or your, you know, your thoughts. I worry about my guys. And what they're doing, and their training, and their well-being, and that's it. And I work in I work in a double firehouse. The engine, they're great guys. They were my guys at one point, but I'm not their captain anymore. What they're doing is up to them and up to their captain. What we're doing in my firehouse with my guys is my problem. And it, you know what's going like right now? We got a promotional exam coming up in two weeks. Do you really think I'm spending twelve hours a day training? No. I'm letting my I'm letting my dudes get their get their study time in, you know. It's I remember what it's like being in that situation. So the, 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 you might have to adjust yourself different times for your for your people to to make sure that you're trying to set them up for success. As a as a leader, if you want to be a true leader, you should want your people to succeed that are under you. You should want to create solutions for them. You should want to create opportunity for them. You should want to give them put them in the best place where they are going to succeed and use their knowledge, skills, and ability to to forward the organization and forward the situation and forward whatever it is you're doing as cliche as it sounds that's what it has to be that's what it has to be i can't well there's a guy in my company I'm praying to god he gets promoted 
He's going to be a good captain, but he's put the time in. He's put the time in, and I'm glad to say that I've been able to help him put the time in by respecting his time in the firehouse and giving him a little extra few hours of tour to study because studying at home sucks. I know what it's like studying at home. I'd rather, I'd rather read in a firehouse than at home any day of the week. I don't, have, I don't have kids. I don't have kids, you know, climbing up my back. Sure. Well, you have kids there, but uh, they're doing. Yeah, they're just they're yeah, yeah. You know, and it's funny. It's funny the way you bring that up. And I think, I mean, I have, I have a guy on my shift that's uh, studying for the lieutenant's test, and he's going to do really well. I know he will. And you can tell, you know, he needs his time to do his thing, so I let him do his thing. And ultimately, though, and and to touch back on kind of what you said, it. I can't control what I can't control, right? I don't really – I mean I do care what people on other shifts and stuff are doing. Like I care about them in my firehouse. But if you're not on my shift, you're not on my crew, I don't care. You have your own boss for that. Like if you need my help with something, cool, whatever. But I'm not going out of my way because I can't because then I can't be concentrating on the guys on my shift. And that's what has to be um, priority. So – want to change foot a little bit. I liked what you brought up about uh, you're only as good as your last fire. And kind of the way I was taught was, uh, and this is kind of funny, especially if you look at it from a sports analogy standpoint. So like the Colorado Avalanche last year, I think won the Stanley Cup. And then they got freaking knocked out by by Seattle this year. So last year's champs, they're out in the first round by a team that just won their very first playoff series in franchise history. Right. So what I was taught was today's champs is tomorrow are tomorrow's chumps. Right. Tomorrow's chumps. To, right. Today's champs can be tomorrow's chumps. Tomorrow. Today's chumps can be tomorrow's champs. So it's a bit of a mirrored thing to where you could go and be the greatest crew there is. Think of your biggest heavy hitters in the Camden Fire Department. Put them all together on the fire truck. Right, I don't care what rank they are. Think of all of them. They all go there and they knock that fire out. Great. They're going to be fantastic. They're the biggest names in the history of the department. But what if they screw up? What's going to, what are they going to be remembered for? Right? The screw up. Yeah. You, you know, you, it means nothing. You can get there and screw it up. You know, and, and so what I'm getting at is today's champs could be tomorrow's champs. Talk about uh, if you had any fires that would kind of, You'd like to get if you could get it back. If you could hit redo, what do you think would one would be? I uh, had one recently. Um, so my city is predominantly row houses, type three ordinary constructed row houses, ton of them. Uh, you know, we have we have frames, but it, it's predominantly type three ordinary row houses. We got a twin going. It's a hoarding house, and it's just billowing smoke. And we we had to go to the roof. And I had a brand new firefighter with me. Well, not brand new. He's got a couple months on, but uh, he's first time I ever worked with him. So he's brand new to me. And I I wanted to go to the roof and we we double hop. So we put a ladder up and then another ladder up to the porch and get get up to the roof. You can either use the same ladder or two ladders. We call it a double hop. Very effective. Well, I made the mistake... I was th- I saw the engine go through the front door. I'm like, they're gonna get water in this fire. The smoke's gonna change, and you know, I'll be able to get up on this porch roof and double hop. And the chief needs a hole 
yesterday. Like he's, sure. he's, he's looking at me. Like I can see I it's, 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 you know, two in the morning and I, and I can see the white in his eyes, like get me a hole right now. And sure. I wasted the time. I, I wasted the time. I wanted to take the easier route of travel, but in hindsight, I couldn't do it because of the, the, the nasty smoke. We cannot double hop safely. I could not see where I could put that ladder on that porch roof safely. And I wasted time. I wasted time trying to take the easy way out because I didn't want to throw the 35 foot ground ladder. I didn't want to throw the 35. I hate the 35 foot ground ladder. I'm sure anybody who's a firefighter listening hates the 35 foot portable ground ladder. That being said, I took the easy way out and it backfired on me where I ended up having to throw, I, I ended up having to throw the 35 anyway. So I really wish that uh, I wasn't thinking easy I really wish I was thinking task oriented, but I was like, man, I got a new kid with me. Let's just do this. It's easier. Where in hindsight, it ended up being harder, ended up being harder and it ended up being uh, an absolute disaster. I fell. I took, I took a spill. I, I went down like a sniper shot me, dude. I went boom, right down. So, you, you know, like I, it was, it was like embarrassing and sure. I got up on the roof. We got the hole. We got it all done. We came down you know, we're, we're spent, uh, you know, cause we're running all over the place doing things and I'm just, I'm sitting in the street, you know, we changed our cylinders out and I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the middle of the street and it was, uh, it was cold out. And I'm like, I'm like, what, 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 what were you thinking? Like, I'm, I'm saying this to myself, like, what were you thinking? I'm trying to justify to myself the, the moves that we made. And I'm like, and I'm like, you just, you could have had the hole earlier. You could have done the right thing from jump but you were trying to avoid a situation because you had a new guy. And then I'm thinking to myself, you're just using that as an excuse. So I'd like to get that fire back. I would like to, I would, I would like to start from jump and just do a third, throw the 35 immediately, get up, get the hole and get down and then be redeployed to a different position on the fire ground. Because, you know, we, we spent all the energy trying to get the, the double hop going and then the 35, then the hole, we were kind of useless after it. Uh, yeah. I'd like to get that one back because that was my fault. Even my guys were like, yo, how about we do 35? I was like, nope. I'm like, we're double hopping. I, was, I didn't even I didn't even take the suggestion of seasoned firefighters. I, I was just like laser focused. Sure. Where, you know, and you can't be that way. Like they, they were trying to prompt me like, yo, what are you doing? And I, I, I didn't, I, I, had, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it. So that's why I like to get back. Yeah, that's that's probably yeah, it's gotta be really frustrating. And and what do you think and I apologize for cutting you off earlier, you cut out a little bit. Um right. do you think it was a complacency or do you were you in uh trying to think of how to say this. Were you just trying to get it done? Get up there, get it done, get to the roof. The chief was wide eyed, as you said. Um I, I, I was yeah, I, I was trying to get it done, but I was so focused on having a newer firefighter with me that I took work work smart, not hard, to a level where I overworked. I literally worked harder than I had to. You know, if I would have if I would have just slowed down, I, I made a social media post today about slowing down, and uh, a lot of that post comes from this fire slow down if i would have just slowed down just a little bit and read the building a little bit more a little bit more i would never would have made that decision 
I never would have made that decision. But, you know, it, it six to one, half dozen the other at times, we got the hole, but just wasn't in, in the timely – it wasn't in the manner that I, that I would have liked it. And, like, the Chief wasn't, like, mad or anything. He was happy we got the hole and, you know. Sure. But I was mad at myself. And I, the- I carried that. I carried that with me for like a month, man. I was like pissed off. I was pissed off myself. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be your own biggest critic and that's a good thing too. Sure. You know I mean? And the reason why I asked about complacency is I think there's a different, at least in my opinion, I, I think in the heat of the moment, which in, again, is my opinion, the hardest time to show the discipline, like really discipline. Um, <clears throat> I think there's a difference in being complacent and being lazy, you know, on one side spectrum, but then, you know, you're doing what you think is the right thing to do and it just doesn't work out. And and I think, you know, in the moment your instincts kick in, right? So instinctually, it made sense. What you're explaining, I think, made a lot of sense. However, the execution and at the end of the day, it wasn't, it didn't turn out the way you wanted. Now, as frustrating as upsetting that may be, I think that's, there's a, a big lesson here for, for the listeners. And, you know, I would love to hear what you have to think about it is, Things aren't going to go the way you want. You're going to make decisions and this will happen. It may not be on the scale of what you talked about. It may not be on double hop and throwing ladders, but you're going to make decisions that are just not going to work out, right? There's a quote out there that says a great plan only doesn't survive first contact, right? So you get A, B, C, and D. And it doesn't matter because the minute that shit hits the fan, everything's going to change. You, You know what I mean? You're, your brain's going to turn to water, run out your ears, and you're going to have nothing to rely on but your instinct and the guys with you, right? So well, you have to have you have to have a good officer has a plan for the plan. He's got a backup plan for the plan, and he's got a backup plan for that plan, and he's got a plan for that plan if that doesn't work. You you have to there. I don't care what you subscribe to on the internet because the, the internet fire service internet world is a wild place, but there's not a soul out there that has stretched um, an initial attack line smoothly to the seat of the fire with no issue ever. If they are telling you that, they are an absolute liar. There has always been something in their way to to throw out the stretch, to to stop the stretch, to whether it's a kink, whether it's uh, the coupling getting stuck on something, whether there's something in the way. So you got to be ready as an officer to figure out what the hell is wrong. How many times as an engine as an engine boss have you had to drop back on the line and either feed more line or get a kink out or get the coupling stuck from a door, whatever? Like you, you're the one that's got to figure that out. You're the Mine one that's to figure it out. It, it, it's what it is, and yeah. you know it's not it's not up to anybody else because your job at the end of the day, if you're you know if you're an engine, is getting water on that fire. If you're in a ladder, whatever you know, whatever your SOP is, search, ventilation, ground ladders, whatever it is, and it has to get done at all costs. At all costs. I've never been a chief officer. I have no idea what it's like, but I, I, I would like to think that I, I, I would lean on, I would lean on my uh, captains or my company officers to ensure that things are getting done properly while I take in the whole picture. That's how I look at the chief. Like I got to get this done because he's got 27 other things on his mind. You, you know, it, it's, it's one that it's one of them things where you got to be, you got to prepare yourself and the best way to prepare yourself training, 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 training. 
relevant training. Absolutely. You know, right? if, you, if you're an engine, train on engine stuff. If you're in a ladder, train on ladder stuff. No limitations to your rig. No limitations of your, um, no limitations of, you know, your aero device. I, 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 I suffered a, a pretty bad injury at work and I was able to listen to the tape recordings of uh, the, uh, the fire ground audio. And before I got hurt, you hear me mitigate a pump problem over the handy talkie from inside the building to uh, the driver on the street. And the only way I knew how to do that is because I was a driver. I drove that exact same piece of fire apparatus. I knew as soon as he called me and said the problem, I knew exactly what the problem was. And I knew exactly how to fix it. I knew exactly how to fix it. And I was able to do it over the radio. Very simple. What's all brilliance in the basics, right? That's it, man. That's it. They hammer them in. Hammer them in. Yeah, and the brilliance, the basics, I mean, excuse me, the basics don't stick to just, you know, the basic fundamentals, right? Yes, I mean, you need to um, drill on, you know, pulling hand lines, those putting ladders up, those kind of things. But basics can go into exactly what you said, knowing that apparatus, right? You can always, you know, knowing your limitation of your tools, limitations of your people, because that's another thing. You have to train... You have to train for your, your weakest link, and, and that's just the way it is. Um, and, you know, you have to ruthlessly train in those basics to where, I mean, everything's going to ultimately fall down to it, right? You, you, you talked about um, the stretches or whatever, right? Fires, people get burned, hurt, killed, whatever it is, and it's all going to come down to certain things, I think. I mean, I don't really like talking about line of duty deaths on here. I don't like talking about politics. I don't like talking about, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I leave that out. However, there is always a contributing fact. When you look at the contributing factors in these NIOSH line of duty deaths, if you go to look at it and you break the fire fire service down into its most um, basic levels, I think you're going to see things that are in those recommendations. Staffing, um, all the political stuff. I'm not talking about that. When it comes down to getting there, getting the line pulled, water on the fire, somewhere in there, something's getting lost, right? Something happened. Uh, so I think. Uh, so I, I, I hold, um, I hold a training event a couple times a year. I call it taking the streets. It's an open enrollment training event. We do like 90 firefighters who bring them in and we, you do like 14 uh, skill stations. And mm-hmm. one of the, Two of the biggest things that I see with every firefighter, every single solitary firefighter at two at the same two stations uh, every time where they need the most work at is hose line stretching and search. Hose line stretching and search. And it's wild to me and it's wild to my staff. We always drop back and figure out how to make it, make those stations better or so people are getting more, more out of the station and everybody has such a problem stretching hose line if you put an obstacle in their way because they are so used to going to the parking lot of their firehouse with nothing in the way but asphalt and concrete and stretching their hose line to the tree over there. I put a parked car right in front of where they got to deploy the hose line. You would think I put a 25-foot brick wall there. And you're I talking five, about stretching from the apparatus to the point of entry. To the point of entry. Okay. To the point That's of entry. Then I watch them. I watch them try to move the line, and they don't even know how to grab the line properly to move it. It's wild to me. 
And it all goes back to the rudimentary training of how they were shown from day one. And it also shows me what they are not training on on a daily basis inside their firehouse. So, again, if you're an engine, you train on pulling hose line. If you're in a ladder company, you train on throwing ground ladders. You train on search. You train on, you know, whatever it is your ladder company does, outside vent, forceful entry, whatever, whatever. Stick to the basics. And if you're one of the hardest parts about being a company officer for me is I'm no longer a worker. I'm a supervisor. I don't work. I supervise. So as a supervisor, how you supervise firefighters is through encouragement. It's through encouragement. You're doing a good job. Keep going. Go left. Go right. Try this. Flip the tool. You have the tool backwards. Flip the tool this way. Use the ads end, not the fork. Whatever it may be. But if you're not a master, now there, I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's an expert in firefighting because I think you're only as good as your last work of fire, like you said. But you can master your craft. You absolutely can in a lot of ways. So if you're a master of your craft, that's going to give you confidence for when you're operating and when you're supervising. It's going to give you confidence. So you're able to tell firefighters their deficiencies, see deficiencies before they happen or see them when they're happening and fix them immediately on the fire ground. Fix them immediately. There's been many times where, you know, the first new engine is stretching, is not setting the line out properly to go in, go in line with the objective. And as the Nosman's flaking the line out, I'm grabbing the line and flaking it the proper way where he's flaking it the wrong way. There's many times I've done that because I want the line to go smooth. And then after the fire, we talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of it too, I mean, I mean, it also depends on, I think, I'm trying to think how to say this. You're there to fine tune. You're not there to, on the call at least, you're there to fine tune the call, not walk them through it, right? Sure. Now, now, I mean, if they were to say, hey, look, you know, hey, what, do, what are we going to do about this? Then, yeah, I mean, then it's going to be, all right, cool, A, B, and C. This is what we're doing. Yeah. But, you know, when you have guys like, you know, there may be a shift in a fire department that I may see regularly. When you have the junior person with a decent amount of time on, I'm not going to run in there and be like, pull hand lines every day in this parking lot. Let's do No, you're, there's other ways to stay engaged in those basic things. And then you fine tune it as you see it. So if you pull a hand line, it doesn't go well. You know, hey, w- w- this did not go very well. What happened? Oh, you know, hey, we did whatever. Or my personal favorite is, hey, you know what? I screwed up on it and I want to go over it a few times. Let's figure it out. Let's pull this hand line again and we'll see what happened. I'm good with that. You, you know what I'm, I mean? I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I, I keep training under an hour. You yeah. know, 50 an hour, an hour tour. Cause I got runs, I got inspections, I got everything else in the world to do. But sure. in that hour, I try to capture as, as much as possible of whatever, whatever topic I'm talking about. Uh, you know, right after we messed up the double hop, I found a vacant house. We went out and we practiced double hop. Uh, you know, I always try to throw written once a month, whatever it is, something writ related, whether it's the rip bag, whether it's pack tracker, cause we got them. Uh, whether it's you know thermal imaging search to to a down firefighter, whatever it is, you know, yeah, but, but you're, you're, you you lead, you're able to set your company up for success by what you're showing them and how you're showing it to them, and being engaged with them. So, and then that's the point that I was making too is the engagement. So you don't have to be running out pulling lines 
throwing ladders, all this stuff all the time. I mean, there is a time and place for that, sure. But I think there comes a point where you need to fine tune that edge, right? It's like building a sword. You beat on it continuously. Then there comes a point where you sharpen the edge. You're not beating on it to get it sharp. You're taking time. You're, you're engaged with it. And there's a really good quote that says, um, a shepherd should smell like the sheep. So what that means is while it's relatively a new saying, it mirrors the thinking of great leaders for all time. If you lose touch with the men and women you work that work for you, if you can't relate to them because you spend too much time in the office and not enough time on the, on the company floor, if you don't, quote, smell like the people you are sworn to protect and lead, then you will, nip, you will be a poor leader who makes bad decisions. So that's out of uh, the book, uh, The Wisdom of the Bullfrog, and that was written um, by McRaven is the author. Um, but point that I'm making is that's where that fine tuning comes in. And that fine tuning comes from, from being present, being engaged and, you know, you could, and what is engagement, right? So that doesn't mean, again, like I said before, and I'm talking in circles right now, but pulling hand lines all the time, throwing ladders all the time. What I mean is, you know, you guys are talking about fireman stuff. You're listening to fires. You're talking about what you would do. Um, my personal favorite is the firehouse I work at. We don't have a day room. Like there is no recliners. You're either hanging out behind the fire truck, the kitchen together, or there's like a little training room that has a table with a bunch of chairs. It's really it. Or the bunk rooms. Hopefully you're not in the bunk room, but, you know, guys might be get tired, but whatever. 99% of the time on my shift, everybody's somewhere we're together and we're talking about it. So, like, again, like I said, you know, you listen to those fires. Well, someone's now pulling it up on Google Earth, putting it up on the projector, pulling up Google Earth, screenshotting it and sending it to the group text. And then we start talking about stuff. We had something um, recently where they had guys that uh, wore, their, wore their hoods up and their gloves on all the time. And then it kind of came up, well, why do they do that? Well, I don't know. Let's look into it. Oh, I heard they put a mask over their Nomex, pull it yeah. tight, and that's all they got to do. And they're good to go. Well, that led to we tried it. And it didn't really, you know, it went whatever way it went. But that turned a five-minute conversation into over an hour. And now everybody's participating. Everybody's there. Everybody's present. And, you know, you as the officer, you can add a few things in. I'm, I mean, I'm sure you're the same way I am. I always learn something when we all sit together as a, as a crew and we Ooh. talk about stuff because everyone has different expect or, uh, different uh, experiences, more, you know, more experience or, you know, my strengths or their weaknesses and their weaknesses are my strengths or however you say that, vice versa, back and forth. But, um, you know, that's where you get really engaged and there's been – and I'm sure you're the same way, dude. There's been a lot of stuff I've learned from my crew and learned from people by just listening. Just don't talk. Just shut up and listen to the guys talking. And inevitably, you know, conversations ebb and flow and you start talking about something and then you turn around and want to call at that address. Or you talk about something right now and you're doing whatever it is. And then you turn around in a few minutes or an hour or two hours or a shift and you're doing it. Or my personal favorite you talk about something that 3 a.m. that exact almost that exact scenario plays out and now it's real time and you all are doing exactly what you talked about. And they did everything you talked about without you having to do anything besides guide, not, um, and, you know, and that, that comes with that comes with keeping your edge. Just keep your edge. Keep sure. your edge. If you keep your edge, then everybody else is going to keep theirs. You know, if you if you push them 
if you push their level of comfort every tour, whatever it is, like my my one guy, uh, he 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 doesn't know north, south, east, and west. If you, he's just he definitely was not a Boy Scout as 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 a child. You know, geographic geographic is not his thing. He wasn't in geography B. He just doesn't. You know, his, the streets just murder him. If we are out of the firehouse, if we don't start at the firehouse and we are out, we are on the street and we get a run, it absolutely crushes him, crushes him. But I'll be driving it. We'll be driving in the rig, coming back from food shopping or coming back from a gas leak. And I'll look over and I'll go, you know, let's go to eighth and whatever. And he's like, oh, come on, Cap. I'm like, no, come on. Let's go to take me there from here. Just take me there. We're not, there's no license sirens. There's no pressure of emergency. Just take me there, man. And I think if you do small things like that, that like that's training. That that's training right there. Everybody in the rig now knows where that address is. And you you, you can do these small things to set your company up for success, in turn setting you up for success, in turn making your job easier. Sure. And you know, and I'm sure you've been this way or you've had this this situation where you know, if you're doing whatever it is on the fire truck and they put out something and you know, without a shadow of a doubt, it will be a fire. It's going to be on fire when you get there. And yeah. whether you do this consciously or subconsciously, where you can look over to your, you know, as the officer, you look over the guy driving, the guy, the two guys behind you or however many people you have behind you, you know, you don't have to even worry about them at all. And you know, because they're sharp. You can focus only on officer stuff. And that's it. I have, I'm fortunate enough to have that where I get the call if we're going to go front or rear. So I'll just look over and I'll say to the driver front. That means that's where I'm going or rear. That means that's where I'm going. You're going the opposite side. I'll meet you in the middle. Have a nice day. Yeah, exactly. Or my personal favorite, and this seems to happen. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but my personal favorite is, uh, you just get off and don't say anything because everybody's on the same page because of yep. time together, trust, um, knowing how each other's works, knowing each other's strengths and weaknesses and, 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 you know, mutual, uh, mutual respect and, uh, you know, shared hardship. You guys have been through some calls before you've done really well on calls and where I think it, the most important part is to sum all this up is, you know, you've all, you've kind of screwed up and they've seen you screw up and come back from it and, you know, they've made mistakes and, you know, you got everyone learned from it and you moved on. And the biggest thing when the mistakes were made and, and all those things is you addressed it and you moved on and you let it go. You didn't continuously bring it up. You didn't harp on it. I mean, the ball breaking is going to happen. So, I mean, that, that, that doesn't count. I mean, that's going to be, it's going to That's part of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Uh, I enjoy it. And, um, but you know, you've been through those things together as a crew. so. We're hitting right around that one hour mark. I think this is a good place um, to start wrapping this up. Um, is there anything else that you can think of that you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on? Um, I'm not pressed for time, but is there anything uh, anything else you wanted to talk about? That was a good conversation, man. I appreciate it. I really do. Um, you know, you got a good thing going here and keep getting good guys on. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, if people wanted to get out, uh, get a hold, excuse me. People wanted to get a hold of you. Where could they do that? What's a good place to find you? Um, if so the get best, Acker Fire Tactics on Facebook, Acker Fire Tactics on TikTok, AckerFireTactics.com. 
will get you into our system. I operate mostly on Instagram. Instagram is the easiest tool for me to use. It's Eckert underscore three three five, and I'll just type in Eckert, it'll come up. And you know, you, I answer all my direct messages. I get back to people. Uh, I engage. I engage mostly on there. Facebook's a little tougher for me. I have a girl Kate that works for me as my admin. She handles most of the Facebook messages. But if you really want to talk to me, that's the best way to get a hold of me, and I can uh, I can engage there. Again, I answer every direct message sent to me. Perfect. And as your posts say, email Kate. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Bobby, it's been great, man. I, I, you know, I really appreciate this. I think we've had a lot of, uh, we hit a lot of really, really good points. I agree um, with you hundred percent. Thank you. Um, everybody, please follow Bobby. We're going to add all of his contact information for his, uh, Instagram, Facebook, the, uh, Eckerd fire tactics and everything. We're going to add all that to the episode description. Bobby, don't go anywhere while I close this out. Um, Everybody, please like, subscribe, and share our podcast. Share it with your coworkers and friends. Thanks for listening to Tip the Spear Leadership. Before we go, make sure you go and you show us some love for your favorite podcast. Leave us a review on all your fi- favorite pod. Po- leave a review on your favorite podcast network. Hit that subscribe and download button and leave us a review. Five stars are our favorite as it helps us helps us grow our community. So everybody, please have a great day. Thank you for listening. Um, and stay tuned in the next coming weeks for more episodes and more guests. Uh, feel free to reach out for to us. If you have any questions, uh, tip the spirit leadership, be present, be yourself, be unstoppable. Thanks guys. Have a great day.